comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs and one. Cal up top. Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. And he popped it deep. He was banging. Well, Watson and a foul. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's up, Aztec fans? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Trone. I'm your host. Today, I was hoping to be joined by a couple guys who cover the University of Utah. Sadly, the uh, schedules, we couldn't figure them out. We couldn't figure out a time that worked for all of us between my work and their work and everything uh, going on. So sadly, it's just me, much to the detriment of all you guys, because I know I'm probably not the best person to be listening to just by myself. That being said, we're going to talk about just, just the season so far a little bit. There's some been some news this week, despite there not being any games, as well as preview the upcoming games. Remember, you can find this podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on iTunes. We're on Google, we're on Spotify. Go to anchor.fm slash Aztec Breakdown. You can see the whole lowdown. You can send in those voice messages. You can support the podcast. Make sure to do those five-star reviews. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, whatever it is on whatever platform you're listening to. First, let's get into some of these announcements, some of the things that have happened over the past week. First off, as I'm recording this, it's Monday night. Monday means the new AP poll comes out. Aztecs checked in at number 20, up from 25 last week. So that's a big improvement, especially considering the Aztecs didn't play any games. So that's awesome. I feel like, just from what I've observed, especially when it comes to teams outside of the top 10, it's it's nice to be in the top 25, but if you lose a game you will likely drop out of the, or not drop out, but you will drop about 10 spots, give or take, down down the pole. An example of this would be Utah State earlier this season. They were ranked number 15. They lost to, I believe it was St. Mary's, who's a good team. I don't think they were ranked, but nonetheless a good team. They lost to St. Mary's on, I believe it was on a neutral floor, and they dropped to number 25 the very next week. So, 10 spots at any given moment, which means if the Aztecs were to lose either of the two games this week, they would be out of the top 25 and arguably rightfully so. I just bring that up because that's one thing I think about. I'd like, I would really like for this team to be inside that top 15. That way, I mean, you know, a loss is coming at some point. So that way, even when a loss does come, if they do drop that 10 spots, they'll be fine. But there's the AP poll, the new, the net ranking came out this season as well, or today, earlier today as well. Aztecs came in at number three, which is awesome. It, I mean, it's not definitive. It's another computer ranking, and the net ranking doesn't take in like preseason expectations or any data from previous years. And so there's still a lot of time left in the season for the number to fluctuate. And I don't think it's realistic to expect San Diego State to remain in the top five in terms of the net. But starting off this high is really good. And it's especially good because last season, 
the net came out and people were kind of clowning it for some of the, the teams that were in the top 10, top 15, top 25 range. And are arguably rightfully so, but it also came out almost a month earlier last year, I think. And so it's the end of December and we're, I don't, I don't know if I'd say we're coming up on the point where the data's reliable, but it's definitely more reliable than it was earlier. Generally speaking, at least when it comes to individual players or lineups, you want about 20 games worth of data before you want to start drawing any real concrete conclusions from it. That doesn't mean the data is worthless before 20 games. You can still look for trends. You can still look for patterns, but the sample size can just fluctuate so much before that 20 game mark. And most teams are at about the 10 game mark, give or take. So there's still a lot of fluctuation that can happen, but it's really exciting to see San Diego state in that top 10, in that top five, because everybody else is going to see that too. All the national beat writers, all the AP poll voters, all the, uh, the national media, anybody who's going to cover the net later this week, they're going to have to talk about San Diego state being in the top five, being in the top three. I, I don't know how, I mean, I guess they could just not mention it, but that, I don't know. That would seem really intellectually dishonest and, for a fan base that's as, I don't know how to phrase it, star for recognition maybe, you know, mid-major schools in general, we always feel like we don't get the recognition we deserve, regardless of whether it's it's warranted or not. There was, there was this is a little bit of a rant, but there was a guy, he, he I was reading on Twitter the other day, he was a Boise State fan and he was complaining that the Boise State football team doesn't get the the recognition and the praise it deserves and everybody around him was, was praising the team and he was just like, no, it's not enough. And and it's not necessarily to pick on that guy. I think we all do that to a certain extent, but regardless, I listen to a lot of national basketball podcasts. And so I'm excited to hear some of these guys talk about the new net ratings. Another big thing that came out probably like 30 minutes ago from when I'm recording but it would be the last night or two nights ago, whenever you're listening to this Monday night is that the mountain West I saw on Twitter from John Schaefer. He, he put out a tweet saying the mountain West came to a new uh, media rates deal for the basketball and the football games. And essentially what it was, I just read up on it really briefly. So I encourage you guys, if you haven't yet to go read up on it, if you're interested in that type of thing, Essentially, the conference games are still going to be broadcast for the most part by CBS Sports Network. However, you you feel about that, I think it's it's okay. I don't like that the channel is generally on like second or third tier channel packs with most cable companies. On the other hand, that doesn't affect me because I either stream games through other means or I recently got access to YouTube TV and CBS sports comes, comes with it, at least comes with the one I have access to. I didn't sign up for it, but it's, it's on there and it looks like it's one of the, the tier one things. And so YouTube TV recommend it for sure. But there's that. And then rather than in, in the past, it was ESPN had 
like first right of refusal, essentially. That might not be entirely accurate. It might be a little bit oversimplified. Basically, ESPN would come in and say, these are the games we want, and then CBS Sports would get any of the other games. And now, instead of ESPN, it's Fox Sports has that that first right of refusal. And that's, that's I mean, once again, that's fine. I, it's going to depend on everybody's individual situation, how exactly it affects them. I don't know to what extent Fox Sports is easier or, or harder to get than ESPN. I haven't checked yet to see if I get it, but I also, the other thing with me lately is I watch most of the games on a computer anyways, because I like to record them at the same time. And I was able to watch the Thanksgiving games easy enough. And so generally speaking, the games would be on Fox sports one, if Fox picks it up. So that's from the viewer's perspective, from the school's perspective, it's good because the article that John Schaefer tweeted out said that Mountain West teams got, I think it was $1.1 million a year from the media rights deal. And now they'll be getting closer to about $3 million a year from, from the TV for the football games and the basketball games. And so that's good news for really everybody that doesn't count Boise state. Cause Boise state is still in their own deal. However, however their thing works out. But $3 million a year, that's that's a step up. There was no mention on how long the deal is. So I'll be having to keeping I'll be having to keep my eyes open for that. I know Craig Thompson was saying he didn't want a really long deal. One of the other conferences just signed a deal with ESPN Plus, and it was like a 10-year deal, and the upfront money sounded good, but at the end of the 10 years that deal is going to weigh down that conference. And it sounds like they've had other problems too, because ESPN has certain standards and in terms of their, their broadcast and a lot of the schools weren't set up for it. So now they're having to go out and spend a bunch of money to get better cameras and hire outside uh, announcers and things of that nature, because ESPN wouldn't let them just do what they were doing for their online broadcast already. So I'm really glad that the Mountain West didn't do that for, for as long as San Diego state's in it. If San Diego state leaves the conference, then the mountain West can do whatever they want. But while San Diego state's in it, that's what I'm concerned about. And it seems like they didn't tie an anchor around our necks. So that's the good news. The last bit of news I wanted to get into was a Gwek, a ropes injury. Mark Ziegler wrote in the San Diego Union Tribune that a rope is expected to be out for about a month. I don't remember what the exact injury was. I should have written that down. I apologize. But he's expected to be out for about a month. Overall, the timing is is good, and injuries are the one thing that's been at the forefront of my mind in terms of things that could derail this team. The timing is pretty good because over the course of the next month, you got or of the month since the injury, which was at San Jose State, which was a week ago or so, you got San Diego Christian coming up this Wednesday. Should be a relatively easy win, so you don't need a rope there. Then you got Utah. Utah's a bit tougher. It's on a neutral floor. Really, it should still be more of a home environment, even though in terms of the crowd at least, because it's at Staples Center. And so the crowd should feel like a home environment. There are still travel things that can affect the players and the coaches and things of that nature. But 
compared to how hard it might be for Utah fans to get to Los Angeles, San Diego State fans, it's a couple hours up the road. You should be able to make it. I definitely encourage people to go. But that game, I mean, it should be a win even without a rope. It would have been better with him. But I'm not going to say it's relatively easy. Regardless, San Diego, San Diego Christian, relatively easy. You got Utah after that. Then after that, you got Cal Poly, which once again should be relatively easy. And then after Cal Poly, the conference season starts. New Year's Day with Fresno State. That one you would like to have a rope for. And then after that is the road game at Utah State. And that is what a rope said his target was. He said his target was to be back January 4th on the road at Utah State. Hopefully he makes it. Even if he does, he might still be a little bit rusty and and need to get back into his game groove. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think in all reality, I would rather him take those extra couple days and then not play until after the Utah State game. Honestly, it would it would just depend on how ready he is. If he's physically in terms of healing ready to play during Fresno State and then he can get a couple practices in then play at Utah State if that if that makes sense. So he still sits out Fresno State is what I'm saying. I'm going to re-explain. He still sits out Fresno State but he's physically ready to go and then he can take a couple days to practice and make sure he's 100% and then play at Utah State versus him not practicing at all. And then all of a sudden it's game day at Utah state and he goes in and plays. That would be my preference, but I have no say in the matter. And that's, and that's fine. There's, there's a reason the coaches at San Diego state get paid the money they do and have the job they do. They know what they're doing. And overall I trust in them, but that's the news on a ropes injury out for about a month. The goal is to return at Utah State January 4th. With that, let's get into the games this week. I don't really have any way of seeing what San Diego Christian is doing, how good they are, anything of that nature. They aren't, since they're not a Division I team, they aren't listed in Ken Palm, they aren't listed in Haslametrics, they aren't listed in any of the other resources I have. They are listed in Synergy, but I missed the re the re-sign update for Synergy, and so I don't have access, and it'll be a couple days at least until I get it again, and that's just my bad. Regardless, there isn't a whole lot of information, even with Synergy, that would tell you some stuff, but it's a pretty small picture in, in the grand scheme of things. Really, them being a Division II school what I'm hoping for is that the Aztecs can blow them out first off. I mean, one, it would just be nice to see them come out and completely dominate the entire game. We saw them start kind of slow against Colorado State, and they picked it up towards the end, ended up winning by about 20, but they didn't dominate for the entire game. And then San Jose State, we all know what that was, and it took a last-second shot by Malachi Flynn to come out on top of that one. And so it would be really nice to see them come out and dominate from start to finish and 
have the starters sit most of the second half. It would just be nice in order to to see the team like have its mojo back. I think on on Haslametrics he has a number that measures the team's momentum. So it's it's essentially just how are they performing now versus how they've performed over the last couple games. And the Aztecs have one of the worst momentums, which is, you know, on the face of it, surprising because they're still 10-0. They're still undefeated. But just the way the numbers work, their performances have been worse and worse over the past five games or however it works. I didn't look into it a whole lot. But it would be nice to see them get back on the right track in terms of that. The other thing, the reason I would really want to see them dominate, this is probably even more so the reason, is because the Aztecs have a lot of guys that are, I guess, struggling, for lack of a better word, and you'd like to see them be able to get their feet under them a little bit. That way, come February and come March, they're playing their best basketball. And it's a lot easier to get them the minutes to do that if you're in a blowout. And so KJ Fagan is a guy like that. And with him, I don't think he needs the minutes because as I mentioned in the last episode, it's not his IQ that worries me. It's not so much his decision-making it's just hitting shots. And so that can happen in any game against any opponent. And granted it's less likely to happen against, uh, say, Utah State with Nemius Keita uh, protecting the rim. But in theory, it could happen in any game. And just once he sees the ball go through the hoop a couple times, it should be fine. That's the only thing I can say about that. So I'm not talking about K.J. Fagan. I'm talking about guys like Trey Pulliam, who to a certain extent could use just seeing the ball go through the hoop a couple times like K.J. Fagan. But also I think... You know, I still don't know quite how to describe it or if I've identified quite what I think is is wrong with him. If it's a speed of the game thing, if it's figuring out the new system thing, I don't really know what it is, but he worries me a little bit more. And so if he can get 20 plus minutes, that would be awesome. You know, he comes in for a five, six minute stretch in the first half like he normally would, and then in the second half, he plays just the last 15 minutes of the game because the Aztecs are up by 30 or whatever. You know, something like that. Joel Mensa would be something similar. I'm less worried about him. I think Joel is fine. He's he's definitely a role player, and I think he is good at his role, assuming he knows it and has, and has deployed the right way. But he's he's just a he's an offensive center. He's not going to be great on the defensive end, but it would be nice just to have him get those game reps in terms of both, both offense and defense, right? If he can get those reps to finish around the rim in live game action, that way he can give you a couple points a night. And also if he just needs game reps and just getting more film so the coaches can say, look, you know, when you did this closeout, your front foot was was too far out. You're you're not closing out hard enough, or you're closing out too hard, or you're you're giving up your front foot. Your hips are turned too far. Whatever it may be, just examples that the coaches can can look at and send him the film and say these are the things we're going to work at it and during practice today. 
because in the tight games, Joel isn't going to get those, those opportunities as much. And so having him get, you know, 15 plus minutes, as opposed to a lot of the games, he gets like three to six in that range. So having him get a lot of minutes, just so that there's more tape to go over. And then of course, Keisha Johnson, you know, with him, him kind of filling in that Agueca rope role in terms of his, his size and his athleticism, it's kind of similar. He's a little bit taller. I don't think his arms are quite as long, but he's pretty athletic. And so if he can come in and get 20 plus minutes as just a way of, of continuing to have him adjust to the speed of the game, having him have things happen on the floor that he can look back at and be like, yes, I remember when this happened during the game and having him learn that way. And then similar to Joel, that way the coaches have things they can point to in the film room. If Kishad can play a lot of minutes, that will help fill in that, that role that, that a rope normally fills in and he can help fill in that spot for the next four or five games. And then once a rope comes back, he'll have shown some things and he might have carved out a role of his own, even when a rope comes back. So there's that. The last thing I forgot to mention during that first announcements part was Mark Ziegler also wrote down why Nolan Narain hasn't been playing. And he said a lot of it has to do with the groin injury has just been kind of nagging on him. And also apparently Nolan Narain has been volunteering to play on the scout team and just contributing to, to the team in that way, which is awesome. And it's a selfless thing to do. And especially as a fifth year senior, who is probably you, you wouldn't blame him if he was coming in expecting minutes being a fifth year senior and the only guy who's been in the program for, for that long. And he's, he's the only guy on the team who was on a team that was coached by Steve Fisher. He's the last one left. And so with all those things, you, you wouldn't blame him if he was expecting that, or or maybe you would, but I mean, you can understand it at the very least, but he was volunteering to run on the scout team. And uh, the article said over the summer, Nolan was working at, I think it was like a real estate place. He was just working on his, his life after basketball, which was a real mature decision. I think Mark wrote an article last season about Nolan's mental health. And I don't think I ever got around to reading it, which is sad, but I believe that happens or that happened. I'm kind of worried now that it didn't happen and that I'm making that up. And now I'm besmirching the name of a good man. Regardless, it's a really nice thing for him to do. And I think we should all give him some praise and some thanks for that. And hopefully he will find some time. He's another guy who could, if he gets in for five or 10 minutes, just to knock off some rust against San Diego Christian longer than that would be great too. If he's, if he's physically up for it, but having him get some minutes to knock off that rust and that way he's there and ready. If the team needs him later in the year, if another injury comes, that would be really nice with that. I'm going to take a quick break. Let's pay some bills and then I'll be back to look at Utah.
Welcome back. Let's talk about Utah. One of the things that has me worried about this Utah game is that Utah, according to Ken Palm, is the 23rd tallest team, or at least they have the 23rd tallest average height in all of college basketball. And that worries me for the reasons that I wrote about in the last Mountain West Wire article I did talking about what San Diego State's weakness might be. And the article was kind of inconclusive, but it suggested that it's very possible San Diego State just tends to struggle against teams that are tall and long and athletic. And so here comes Utah with a really good average height for for their team. And they have, looks like, three or four players that are 6'8 or taller, four players I see, 6'8 or taller, plus they have a number of other wing players that are 6'5 and 6'6. And so that kind of they kind of match San Diego State's height. You know, San Diego State has four players that are 6'10 or taller, but one of them is Nolan Narain, who hasn't been playing much. One of them is Joel Mensa, who doesn't play that much. And then after those guys, it drops down pretty fast. And you're at Matt Mitchell, who's 6'6, and Agueka Rope, who's 6'6, but a rope is injured, like we talked about before. So the height differential might be even worse in this game since a rope is out in the Utah game. So that's something that has me a little bit concerned just from a more from a scoring points perspective, but also to a lesser extent on the defensive side as well. One of the things Utah does really well is scoring around the rim and on those shorter two point jump shots they are fourth in the nation in two-point percentage. And so it will be very important for guys like Nathan and Yanni to step up and play well in that regard. And to their credit, they have been. San Diego State has the 58th ranked two-point defense, so they've been good, but that will be that will be important. Utah doesn't shoot terribly well from outside they're they're at about average or a little bit above average and they are what's this 125th in the nation in terms of their three-point shooting so that can be a way for the Aztecs to even it up if their three-point shots fall this game and they're struggling to stop Utah inside that can be you know three-point shot is the ultimate equalizer but that's that's a lot of ifs and granted one of them is if Utah is able to score inside because who knows with Nathan and Yanni guarding them and, and maybe Nolan, depending on if he plays, uh, that might be easier, easier said than done. But that's our, those are, those are the couple things that I noticed Utah their overall, their effective field goal percentage is 11th in the nation on offense, which is really good, but that's mostly led by that two-point percentage but it's really the height is is the thing that bothers me they also rank 80th in assists per field goal made which just means they move the ball a lot the Aztecs rank 84th so 
what we've been used to seeing, they move the ball pretty well as well. And I recently got a subscription to Hoop Lens. It's not something I would recommend unless you're super into the data. It's really data intensive and I don't know, it's pretty dense. Uh, but I'm about this stuff. So I got it and it's helping me to give some better material. But one thing it does is it can help point out a couple guys, a couple people that we might want to look out for. First off, the key players on the Utah team, you want to look at uh, Timmy Allen, who is their number one bucket getter. He's actually 97th in the nation in terms of possessions he uses. So he's a guy that takes a lot of the shots and gets a lot of the turnovers, essentially is what that means. And more so takes a lot of the shots and he's pretty good at it too. In terms of scoring, when he's on the court in the sample size that we have of Utah, and I talked earlier about how the sample sizes are still kind of small for this stuff, but when he's on the court, the Utah Utes outscore their opponents by 20 points per 100 possessions. So that counts offense and defense. The other guy to look out for is a former San Diego State recruit. I do not know if I'm saying this name right, but both Gotch is how I'm going to say it. He, I believe he would have been in the same class as a rope and the Mensas. And I think he's another guy who was from Africa as well. And he ended up, I think his final three teams were San Diego state, Texas tech and Utah because I had a Texas tech guy DMing me back during his recruitment, asking me if I had heard anything. And I'm like, I'm not a recruiting guy, dude. I don't, I don't hear anything, but he kept on DMing me anyways. Those are the two guys to look out for, especially in the starting lineup. Both got similarly Utah outscores their opponents by 20 and a half points per 100 possessions when both gotchas on the floor. And so those are two pretty key guys. Those are the two guys that have played the most possessions for Utah this season. One other guy, he's a bench player. He doesn't play as much. And so these numbers might be inflated, but I still wanted to point out his name. I also very likely am saying this wrong, but Eli Ballstad or stayed or something like that. He's a bench player. He doesn't get as many minutes, but Utah outscores their opponents or has outscored their opponents 37 points per 100 possessions when he's been on the floor. And he's another one of those guard wing type players at, at a six, five. And then Timmy Allen and both gotcha both six, six. So those are the guys to look out for on the Utah team. As per usual, rebounding will be key. Utah looks like they are they're good defensive rebounders. They're not the best offensive rebounders, but they're above average. And Utah just has a good coach. And so with every game, I expect them to get better and better. And so we will see a better version of this team than their previous opponents have seen. With that, I believe that's all I have for this one, Aztec fans. Remember to send in those 
voice messages with any questions, comments, concerns, knock, knock jokes, whatever, whatever you may have. And I will catch you next time.